welcome to episode 31 of the 2QB Experience Podcast. This one is the Jared Goff Experience, and we're taking a dynasty angle this time around. We mentioned this on last week's episode, uh, and we got a special guest for you. Before we get to him, I'll introduce uh, your other co-host. Uh, his name is Joshua Lake, at Lake2QBs. Josh, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well. The week of Colin Kaepernick and Matt Barkley. Couldn't ask for more. Oh, yeah, man. Kaepernick. I, I've a mea culpa to get to him on <laughs> to get to with him later, but um, I forgot to introduce myself, as is often the case when we have a guest. Uh, my name is Greg Smith. I'm at Greg Sauce on Twitter. But to get to that guest, Ryan McDowell of DynastyLeagueFootball.com and the Dynasty Blueprint Podcast at RyanMC23 on Twitter. Ryan, thank you for joining us tonight. Yeah, guys. Thanks for having me on. Very excited to talk some some Dino with you because, uh, as we've discussed at length before on the podcast. I need the help because I'm very new to the format and, you know, Josh is a little bit more experienced, but we thought we'd bring in the heavy hitters for some, for some of these questions that, that have been bugging me and the listeners. So I um, really appreciate you coming on. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I qualify as heavy hitter, but I'm always glad to talk dynasty. <laughs> I will, I will disagree respectfully being in a couple of leagues with Ryan. I will say the rosters I know of are just ridiculous and very incredible. He clearly is a very talented dynasty player. Teach us your ways, Ryan. So I'm sure we have a lot of listeners out there who maybe have only dabbled in Dynasty or haven't tried it at all or are thinking about playing it. And, and I'm curious as to hear takes from both of you guys on how you would take the plunge into two-quarterback or Superflex Dynasty. And, and I think we could look at this in two different ways. One is if you're a two-quarterback redraft player, how how should you look to you know kind of shift your mindset getting into uh, two-QB Dynasty? Or, or vice versa, if you are uh, in a one QB dynasty league and you want to kind of upgrade to the two quarterback experience, uh, tm2qbs.com, uh, <laughs> how is that different? And, and um, Josh, do you want to start off with, with some of your thoughts here and let us know, um, I mean, wh- how did you get into the format? Sure, I can speak to the former rather than the later, um, starting from redraft and moving to Dynasty, because I've been playing the two quarterback Superflex formats for so long, but Dynasty is a newer addition. Um, I I have a group of guys, we've been in the same redraft league together for almost 15 years, but just three years ago, we also started a Dynasty league. And for that, without at all trying to brown nose, I can say that Ryan and the team at DLF have been huge I had been reading DLF for a little while beforehand, and I sent the link out to everyone that was about to make the shift over to Dynasty and told them, you really should brush up here, learn how the format works, check out the the sites and the podcasts they recommend. And I feel like that that sort of thing, find very specific Dynasty content is kind of the key because really what Dynasty adds is is the time element that you don't have in redraft is really learning to evaluate over longer time spans. You're used to valuing the quarterback position relative to other positions, but Dynasty really adds the the age element, which we all know. But learning how to value age is kind of the biggest thing that I, I think owners have to really come to terms with. On their, on their own, whether you value age a lot, whether you don't. But that that's really the biggest thing to grapple with as you're moving into Dynasty, at least for me. Ryan, do you want to maybe look at it from the other angle? If, if you're a one QB Dynasty player, I'm sure, I mean, that's that's your bread and butter, right? The, those are your fo- your people over at DLF. How, do you, how would you go about trying to convince them to jump into 2QB or Superflex? Yeah, that uh, that is you know, I guess my bread and butter. And that's, that's where I, I got my start. I actually started playing dynasty leagues before I start, before I ever played a redraft league, oh, wow. <laughs> um, which, which I know is, is kind of rare. Um, but it, it took quite a while of playing in those, you know, typical one quarterback dynasty leagues to make the transition or, or to even give a two QB league a chance. I, I guess I was kind of set in my ways and I liked, I like that status quo and that safety of of understanding positional value and, and things like that and, and just the strategies that um, that I had come up with or, or stolen from others. Um, but then once you know once I did give a, a, a superflex league a chance, I, I, I fell in love with it. And you know, uh, again, Josh and I are in some of the kitchen sink leagues that I commission, and those have easily become my favorite leagues and you know if i had to 
give up all my leagues other than kitchen sink, I would still be happy. It, it would still be <laughs> still be fine. Uh, but as far as making that transition, I think it's I think it's as simple as the value of the quarterback is is greatly increased, and the way that we in a typical dynasty league treat wide receivers, meaning we want as many as we can. We want um, as high upside as we can. And in some cases, we even want them as young as we can in the dynasty league. That goes for the quarterback position as well. So when I'm building those uh, super flex dynasty teams, I'm focusing first on the quarterback position. And, and I want one of those top guys, at least maybe even two. So can for the maybe maybe the newer or inexperienced dynasty players, can you explain a little bit why you might put more weight on quarterbacks and wide receivers than you would running backs? Uh, sure. The well, the running back position, you know, I think we're actually kind of starting to see a little bit of a shift. I've I've been writing about that lately um, with with Elliott and David Johnson and some of these younger players, kind of gaining some traction uh, again in the dynasty community, but. You know, overall, the way that the way the NFL has been treating the running back position in the past few years really tells us all we need to know. You know, they they have not been, with the exception of of Elliott and I, and I guess Todd Gurley as well. But you know, we've seen the number of running backs being drafted early decrease. We've seen the number of running backs getting big free agent contracts decrease. We've seen an increase in running back by committees and these PPR backs kind of gaining value, pass catching backs. So all of those things, and then just the injury factor as well, all those things go to devalue the running back position as a whole. And, and in a typical one quarterback dynasty league, the majority of teams are going to build their teams, or majority of owners are going to build their teams around the wide, re wide receiver position. And then when you move to that super flex or two quarterback league, that throws in the quarterbacks in there as well. I, I think on equal footing with receivers, if not – uh, even, you know, one step higher. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite things about two quarterback dynasty relative to one quarterback dynasty is that it isn't all about one position. Like I do feel like one QB dynasty is so much, uh, is so much focused on the wide receiver position that it feels less interesting to me. There, there's less kind of tension between the different positions you can draft and, uh, and, you know, try to acquire and trade. So, um, yeah, that, that's a big selling point for me, to be honest. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's actually one thing I tried to do with the Kitchen Sink League is find a way to value those different positions, um, not necessarily equally, but to give to give the owners in my league a chance to make their own decisions. So those leagues are super flex leagues, which obviously adds value to that quarterback position. They're also tight end premium, uh, adding some uh, points per catch for the tight ends. We already know that that dynasty players want to build their teams around wide receivers. And then there are also contract leagues, which I think adds value to the running back position when you're shortening your dynasty window. Yeah, those are, those are a lot of fun. I got to say, and with just the enormous flex potential, because you really have a ton of freedom to design your team the way you want, because there's so many flex positions and with maximum four year contracts for players, like you said, you really can, choose to load up on those elite running backs and really benefit from it because of all the flexibility that those settings afford. Okay, so let's look into some uh, some of what happened in Week 12, maybe put a little dynasty slant on it. Uh, and the aforementioned Colin Kaepernick is likely going to be our QB number one for the week, um, put up 30-plus fantasy points, uh, almost 300 yards passing, three TDs in the air, one interception. Uh, on the ground, he put up 113 yards rushing. And like I said, mea culpa, I've been skeptical of Kaepernick for a couple weeks. Um, my 49ers fandom has prevented me from buying into what has been like a really fun ride with him in recent weeks. I've been kind of afraid to, you know, really jump in full hog and say, yeah, this is a guy I want to be starting every week. Um, I felt like my reasons for caution were sound. Like I had good things I could point to and say like, oh, I think that, you know, this Miami defense is better than we were giving it credit for. I mean, if I was wrong there. Um, but just in general, like I, I felt like I had some other good reasons. I think that Kaepernick is a flawed quarterback. But with that said, I didn't really account enough for uh, the pace of Chip Kelly's offense and what that does for Kaepernick, uh, in addition to his rushing ability. Uh, I think I undersold the value of that pace. Uh, it really helps him make up for a lot of the issues that we see. But for Dynasty, though, I'm, I'm curious. We don't 
necessarily want to assume he's going to be in San Francisco next season. I think there's a very good chance he won't be based upon kind of what's happened between him and the ownership of that team. So Ryan, how should we value him in dynasty? Like what's your take on Kaepernick? I really love what we've seen from Kaepernick these past six games. And, you know, after the controversy early in the season, I think he, and especially his play on the field these past few weeks is one of the top stories in the league. In these six games he started, he has quarterback finishes of uh, 14, 16, 8, 5, 9. And now, like you said, he's uh, primed to be our quarterback one this week pending Monday night football. Um, He's doing a lot of that uh, damage on the ground like we saw, uh, like he did several years ago. Um, You know, I remember him running down the field against Green Bay in the playoff game, and he, he just looked like a gazelle with these huge strides. And I think fantasy owners fell in love with that that upside he offered and the the rushing from him is just a bonus this year. He has, he's averaging over seven fantasy points a game just as, as a runner. Uh, I found a stat the other day that he is averaging in his starts versus Todd Gurley starts. They were averaging the exact same, uh, <laughs> exact same rushing yardage per game. Of course, Gurley had more starts and more yardage on the season. And now with Kaepernick's hundred plus yard game, He's averaging more yards than Gurley, who's, you know, who's been a disappointment. Um, I do agree, though. I think Kaepernick is more than likely gone from San Francisco after, you know, some of those issues and the contract and and just all those disputes that have gone on this season and even last year. But in Dynasty, he's a guy I want to take a chance on uh, for a couple of reasons. One, that upside that we've already talked about, uh, in part due to his running ability, um, but then also his price is, is still so cheap. Josh, I know we're in, in a league together where uh, at, at the trade deadline, the, the owner was kind of out of the playoff hunt. He put Kaepernick uh, up on that trade block. And, you know, as far as I know, he didn't get a sniff. He did not, was not able to move him. And that is in a super flex league. So even in that format, Kaepernick wasn't drawing much, um, much attention. So if I can get him cheap, it, even in a one quarterback league, I'm glad to do that and stash him and see where he ends up in 2017. Yeah, no, I think that's totally fair. That league, I've got him in another two quarterback dynasty and most of the off season and then early season, I tried to move him and similarly couldn't find buyers at almost any price. And even still, I agree with you. I think the price is pretty cheap. It's gone up, but if you're a buyer, I think people generally just don't trust him. I mean, we're at four really strong weeks, six pretty decent weeks, and people are just assuming the bottom's going to fall out at some point. And we're kind of getting to the point, this is a pretty good sample size for the NFL, not just for career, but I mean, even this year, six games is a pretty reasonable sample size. He looks good or bad matchup to be a pretty reliable option. And I, I totally agree with something that I think you said earlier is that he'll get a shot somewhere next year, whether it's a Chip Kelly team, whether it's San Francisco, who knows? Um, they, he doesn't have a ton of dead cap money if, if they cut him before April, but it's he'll get a chance. I mean, he's proven that he's got some talent. He's got some really fun ability that adds a dimension that most teams don't have. And so I think he's absolutely someone that I'd want to have on a roster if I can. Ryan, you had mentioned wanting to buy him if you could. What's kind of a, a, a fair price for you to give up? Just trying to quantify this a little bit. Uh, you know, if we're talking draft pick and, again, we're focusing on a two-quarterback league or a super flex league, I think you could easily buy him with, with a late second rounder. Um, so, I, you know, I'd be willing to give that up. That's I think that's a fair price and, and a fair, um, you know, risk to take given we don't know where he'll play next season. All right, let's move on to uh, Trevor Simeon, who, you know, went bananas for the second time this season. I think it's only the second time he scored more than 16 fantasy points on the year, despite starting uh, all but one game uh, for the Broncos. I think he's obviously a sell in dynasty formats, thanks to the presence of Paxton Lynch. I'm just not sure anyone's buying. And, And I'm wondering, do either of you have like rules of thumb for this type of dynasty commodity like, how do you decide between holding or outright dropping or severely underselling a player in trade when everyone in your league knows that that player is devalued? Um, Josh, you want to kick this one off? Yeah, this is, I think the value he has 
because he's a starting quarterback means you can't cut him in most formats just because you don't want to throw a starter back onto waivers because there are teams that are missing a second starter given injuries or whatnot at this point. But I'm with you that I don't really know that there is a sell a, a buying side of the market at this point. After another great week, it'd be a time to think about selling high. But I don't know that, I mean, you're not targeting competitors this year. They're not going to trust Simeon. And really, if rebuilding teams aren't thinking he's really got a lot of potential. I mean, he was a late draft pick in the NFL. He's going to be replaced soon by the young Paxton Lynch. And so I don't know that you're really going to find a market. I think he's kind of, you're stuck holding him unless you can find kind of a, a third round pick offer from somebody. But I, I struggle to figure out which teams you would throw that offer out to just because I don't know who wants him. Ryan, what do you think? Uh, I, I agree completely. Um, I think it would have to be a very specific situation uh, for you to find a, a buyer for Simeon. You know, you'd have to find basically someone who is, is hurting at that second quarterback spot. And, um, and, and we're, again, we're talking specifically those two QB or super flex leagues. I think in a one quarterback league, he has basically no value, maybe, maybe not even roster value. Um, I, I write an article for DLF called roster cloggers and I actually wrote, I wrote uh, the 2016 version of that about a month ago, and I did not include Simeon. But now that I'm thinking about it and, and listening to Josh, I really should have. I mean, he has no value this year. You're not going to start him, and he has really no upside for the future. So he really shouldn't be on a dynasty roster when we think about it. But in the majority of our leagues, he is because he is a starter. He's a starter on you know one of the most high-profile teams in the league. And, and because of that, he's on a roster, but he's he's really just taking up space at this point. I want to move on next to our uh, another pleasant surprise from week 12. And this is our, our spotlight QB for the week. It's Jared Goff. And he had a, a very nice fantasy day by Jared Goff standards. I mean, in only a second start, he threw three touchdown passes, only 214 yards passing uh, and an INT. But this was a lot better than I think a lot of people were expecting from Goff uh, in only that second start admittedly it was against new Orleans. Um, but Ryan, I wanted to check in with you a little bit on your pre draft evaluation of Goff or, or what, what you thought of him coming out of college, coming into the NFL draft. What did you see from him, you know, before he was in the NFL to make you either like or dislike him as a dynasty asset? Uh, well, uh, first of all, I don't, I don't necessarily consider myself a, a scout um, as far as, you know, being able to, watch college players uh, and really evaluate their game. You know, I think there's several, many, many people in, in our industry that do that, uh, do a much better job of that. And I, I tend to rely on them. Um, Real quick. Can, can I butt in here with a kind of a interlude question then? Sure. Who, who are those folks that you're, let, let's give those people some credit. Who, who do you uh, go to for your dynasty analysis? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when it comes to, you know, those those incoming rookies, Nick Whalen, uh, my guy over at DLF, uh, he writes the Debbie report each year looking at uh, an endless amount of, of college prospects. And then he continues to do that work as they come into the league. And um, then uh, another buddy of mine, Matt Caraccio, um, he is the host of the Saturday to Sunday podcast and doing a lot of work on on those college players. So uh, the, and, the, and that's just two of those you know, two of the guys that I are kind of my go-to when it comes to those, uh, those player evals. But what I did see from Goff, uh, you know, at Cal was a lot of volume. And I think it's the same thing we're seeing with, with Davis Webb this year at California and, and people are propping him up, not to number one overall pick status, like we saw with Goff, but I think his, his potential NFL uh, draft stock has has really climbed in this past season at California, putting up some some pretty crazy numbers. Um, so I was a little leery of that, um, you know, that volume and, and relying on that to to make him the the top overall pick. I, I wasn't sure, and and of course when he landed with the Rams, that didn't <laughs> that didn't really make me any more confident. You know, some of the same concerns that so many people have expressed with Jeff Fisher and and uh, his the type of offense that those teams have run in the past couple of years. Uh, I think that that limits Goss upside in, in the short term. 
and it doesn't seem like Fisher's going away anytime soon. So I think I think that's a concern. You know, last week in his debut, he was quarterback 28, didn't throw a touchdown at all. This week we see him throw three touchdowns, and he's still only the quarterback 20. And, and there's a good chance he gets passed by you know at least Aaron Rodgers tonight, and maybe even uh, you know maybe even Carson Wentz as well. So uh, he could throw three touchdowns and barely be a low end quarterback too. Yeah, it was a very good week for quarterback scoring. I mean, he did score 16 and a half fantasy points, which normally would probably put you in that QB 15 to QB 20 range. He just finished at the bottom end of that range because there was so much passing action in week 12. But what what you bring up with the volume is is a was a big red flag for me. Like looking back at the stats, I didn't actually get to watch Goff play on Sunday, but I did notice looking at his his game log that the volume is low and that's kind of to be expected in the Jeff Fisher offense, the 19th most attempts in week 12. The real issue is that you combine that with a low yards per attempt, only the 17th highest in week 12. And that sort of combo is just, it's kind of the complete opposite of what you see from Colin Kaepernick, right? Where maybe the yards per attempt aren't very high, but he makes up for it with the volume. I mean, ideally, uh, or, or on the on the other end of the spectrum, you get Tyrod Taylor, who barely throws the ball at all, but when he does throw it, he chucks it pretty deep for the most part, and so he becomes more efficient in that way. With Goff, when, when you're at the low end of both of those spectrums, that's a major red flag for me, and, and like you said, that might just be something that we can blame on Jeff Fisher, um, but I do worry that maybe this could be a larger problem with Jared Goff up front. You know, he's a guy who wasn't even though he was the number one pick, he wasn't a highly touted prospect at the quarterback position. And I think that makes him interesting in Dynasty because we know that all these guys have value if they have the starting gig locked up, like Goff should for you know at least the end of this year and, and into next season. But just as a talent, you have to be, be able to evaluate that as well. And I, I don't know, I'm, I'm definitely wary of him. I don't know if this is, you know, a good time to buy or to sell Jared Goff. I think I'd probably just stay away if given the choice. Josh, what what do you, what do you see from Goff, either in the stats or or you know, kind of leading up to the NFL season here? Yeah, I, I think you guys have covered most all of it. That Jeff Fisher offense really limits him. Jared Goff has some limitations himself. It's it's hard to be excited after a three touchdown week where he he scores so poorly and it's just indicative of the the struggles he's going to have as long as he's in this offense at least and it's really tough to know how to evaluate him this year because he's in the offense that he is we're not really seeing what he really can be and it worries me I, I will say I have sent out multiple offers I think we talked about this Greg on on a past yep. episode I've sent out multiple offers for him and I, I still will because I think if owners are scared, we've got to remember that just the opportunity that a quarterback will get having gone first overall in the NFL draft, he's going to keep getting chances. And I've got to hope he outlasts Jeff Fisher. And I, I think that there is a, the possibility that you will be able to buy lower than you should at this point for a starting quarterback. But I've got to say I'm not so confident in it that I'm going to overpay by any means. Yeah, that psychological aspect of Play, how owners are perceiving their own players is, is another kind of fascinating part of Dynasty. Whereas in redraft, you can kind of afford to just not care about Jared Goff because you you know that he's not relevant this season. But in Dynasty, you do have to put some weight to him regardless of how well he's playing right now because he is so young. And this is where that time, that age factor that you talked about earlier kind of come into play. Ryan, when it comes to kind of that psychological angle, um, do you have any, you know, tips or tricks in that regard or, or any, you know, maybe case studies or stories you want to bring up to kind of illustrate how important that stuff can be? Well, I think that's as far as as the player's mindset. Is that what you're speaking to? Yeah, like a dynasty owner's mindset in terms of maybe trying to capitalize on other owners not being quite high enough on their own guys just based upon maybe recency bias or something else like that. Well, I, I mean, I think there's, I think that happens in every league. Um, and, uh, my buddy over at an, another great writer over at DLF, Leo Pasiga, um, one of his trademarks I think is, is this dynasty notebook. And he keeps a detailed notebook on every league he's in with, 
you know, every waiver move, every trade offer, every, you know, every transaction and interaction that he has with other teams. And, and from that, he, he knows all these tendencies. He knows when somebody is going to give up on a player too soon. He knows when someone is likely to trade up in the draft or trade down in the draft. And he can take advantage of that. Um, now, I'm not as, uh, I, I guess, I'm not able to focus as well on those details. Or, or maybe I just uh, struggle with time management. But um, Leo has just made a killing in, he's, in his leagues because – of one reason because of these notebooks and, and all the information that he knows about his, his league mates. So I think, I don't know if you, you know, I don't know if everyone has to go to that extent, but knowing those tendencies, knowing when players are ready to give up and, and get, you know, if they're frustrated with a, a performance that can definitely help, you know, help you in the long run. Yeah, that it makes me think of kind of a, a larger question, Ryan, that I, I've been wondering about myself because I, I am still very new to Dynasty in the big scheme of things. This is kind of a, a weird period for teams that aren't competing because we've kind of passed the trade deadline in most leagues now, and it's pretty clear which teams are and which teams aren't fighting for a playoff berth or fighting for a championship. What do you do, and maybe you don't have many of the, the teams because you're so successful, but what should owners be thinking about if they're not looking at trades at this point, if they're not really competing? Is there anything to do now, or is it kind of sit back and, and wait until the offseason hits for things like you're talking about, thinking about trade offers and how to value players? Well, I think, you know, in different leagues, obviously, it's different depending on those rules and settings. But um, at the very least, I think you can be monitoring very closely uh, the waiver wire. Uh, if you have some of those roster cloggers, like I mentioned earlier, you know, if you have Trevor Simeon on your roster, uh, again, in a one quarterback league, I, I don't know if you could outright drop him in a super flex or two QB league. But if you have a guy like that in a one quarterback league or you have a player that um, just has has no upside then go ahead and drop those guys grab grab a guy grab a young player off the waiver wire who um you know could have a big final month of the season just take take those chances on those type of players and then also go ahead and begin making that plan for january lots of uh, trading opens up in january usually in these dynasty leagues go ahead and have have those offers ready know you know know what you're going to do have maybe even start having those conversations you know, go to go to one of your league mates once trading opens. Would you know, you know, would you be interested in making this move or acquiring this player? I think those are things you can still be doing through the rest of the season, uh, even if your team is not in the playoff hunt. Hmm. I, I like that. And I've got to say, it's one of the things I enjoy about Dynasty is that it really keeps you thinking about football and keeps you strategizing through the whole year, whereas redraft it's a few weeks and then it's just dead for, for months on end. And Dynasty, it does seem like the good owners, the guys I personally learn from, you, Leo, the other folks at DLF, other writers over at other sites, It's it really teaches me that it's an ongoing process. There's always steps. And that's kind of why I asked is, is what the best way to use this time is. So I, I definitely think those are good thoughts. Yeah, that actually brings me to, I mean, you mentioned that aspect of, looking ahead to January and, and trying to figure out, you know, what you were going to do then and maybe essentially doing homework or studying for that test. Right. And you talked about time management and this is something that I definitely struggle with probably just because I'm in too many leagues altogether. But especially when it comes to dynasty is that you do have to be thinking about this stuff constantly and you have to be thinking months in advance sometimes or years in advance when it comes to player evaluations I'm wondering, you noted, you noted like monitoring the waiver wire and trying to figure out, uh, you know, who you might be looking to pick up there. Are there any current, you know, backup or free agent quarterbacks who are possibly out there in more leagues than they should be uh, for two QB and dynasty owners? Uh, you know, I, I think you guys talk about this pretty often. I think just the the state of the quarterback position across the league is just really ugly right now. We do have some of these young quarterbacks who are um, breaking out this season. I know we're going to talk about some of those guys, but overall there's so many teams with terrible quarterback play. So what, you know, what that means is there's not much depth around the league. Um, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is, is the easy one 
you know, to look at first. He uh, played pretty well in, in his starts this season when Brady was suspended. I, I would assume, you know, even in a, in a two-quarterback league, he's probably already on a roster. I doubt he's uh, out there on a waiver wire unless it's uh, a shallow league. But if he is, he would certainly be a guy I would, I would scoop up. And uh, really the only other guys I, I kind of would, uh, you know, target would be Mike Glennon in Tampa Bay. He's always in these trade rumors that he might be dealt to a, uh, a quarterback needy team to be their starter. And then I, I still have a little dynasty love for Cardell Jones. He's stuck behind Tyrod Taylor right now. Uh, Tyrod's playing really well this year. Um, but, you know, I loved what we saw in Ohio State that that one season or really just the, that stretch of a few games. So I think he has some upside if he ever sees the field. Yeah, Cardell's uh, an interesting guy. He's probably, of those three you mentioned, the most likely to be unowned, I'd imagine. Um, let's talk more about some uh, quarterbacks who do – have a little bit higher of a profile. And the first guy I want to bring up here is Tony Romo. Um, you know, he's been kind of a, a hot button topic of discussion all season, but now that Dak has come on, it's pretty clear that Romo's going to be gone next year. At least that's what it seems like now. And I, I want to play a little game with you guys. And, and I think that we should hold a little snake draft here, two rounds uh, where we pick where we think he's most likely to end up, not necessarily the place we want him to end up, but which, which team do you think he will actually end up playing for in 2017? And Ryan, you're the guest, so I'll give you the choice of draft position if you would like it. Um, sure. I guess, I guess I'll go first. I'm, <laughs> I don't have any, you know, I don't have any type of insight where Romo might land other than these rumors of, of his preferred destination. Um, so I guess I would I would go with that, and that's you know that's Denver that we've heard is his top choice for where he would play. Uh, you know we've already talked about them. I don't think Simeon is their starter next year, but I would think they would you know be ready to give Paxton Lynch a, a chance. Um, you know we thought kind of that same thing a couple years ago or a few years ago, and then they made the move for Peyton Manning. So. You know, they obviously have a win-now team. They have one of the best defenses in the league. Sanders and Thomas are are not getting any younger. So if they don't feel comfortable, you know, if they don't feel comfortable with Lynch, I would think that maybe they would make a move like this and go after Tony Romo. All right, Josh, you want second pick? Sure. I I think Denver is a great call. I'd be really interested if he ended up there. One where I'd be probably less interested, but I think is very possible, is uh, Chicago. He's out of the division. Uh, I think they are pretty likely done with Jay Cutler and will be looking at other options. And he could be kind of a stopgap if they draft a young quarterback and they could bring in Tony Romo to play and to kind of mentor and and fill that veteran role for the, the short term. I think that's a place where if he's willing to kind of think through his contract and, and be a little flexible, there's an opportunity there because I do think between play and attitude and coaching, I, I think that Cutler is very clearly going to be out of Chicago and they're going to be looking for another option there. All right. Uh, at the wheel, I'll start with Jacksonville. Uh, I think it's pretty clear at this point that Blake Bortles is not the answer. And we all know that Allen Robinson is the evolutionary Des Bryant. So why not, <laughs> you know, kind of rekindle that sort of spark between just a, a clear number one receiver and, and a guy like Tony Romo. Um, again, this is, just a situation where I think that the the quarterback they have there now is one who probably isn't the long-term answer. You know, as young as he is, I just don't know if Bortles is that guy. I mean, he had a great year last year, but he's been a little exposed here in 2016. So I'll start there. And then I think the, the other easy prediction is uh, another Texas team, the Houston Texans. I This is a little less likely to me, if only because, uh, you know, they did pay Brock Osweiler all that money, but as bad as, I said that Blake Bortles has been Brock Osweiler has been much, much worse. So uh, I think that, you know, Houston has to be willing to move on. And, and I think that would be an easy transition for Romo to go uh, from Dallas to Houston. Um, switching conferences, I think would be appealing to Dallas as well. Like I think that they, if they're going to trade him or anything like that, it, they'd be much more likely to trade him to an AFC team. Again, this is all just kind of spitballing and random guessing, but but those are the two teams I'll take. So uh, back to you, Josh. Uh, going, kind of reaching further, the, the next one that comes to mind is the New York Jets. 
I think that they're definitely a team with a quarterback need, but they have better pieces around them uh, than we might think, given their struggles this year. I think they've got Brandon Marshall, who's still got another year left. Matt Forte, maybe they bring back. The defense has enough pieces. So I think they may view themselves as just competitive enough to want to bring in a veteran, someone of Tony Romo's caliber. Do I think it's likely? No. But if we're we're stretching now at a fourth, fifth pick for where he might end <laughs> up, they're another one that comes to mind just because they have so many questions at that position. You got a good one for for the last pick of this silly little exercise, Ryan? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's good. You know, I think there's teams, a couple of teams, other than the ones we've already mentioned, who stand out as having a quarterback need. Of course, Cleveland and San Francisco are two of them. If if Kaepernick does, you know, go to another team next year. I don't think either of those teams are in a position to win now or to compete. So I I don't think that would make sense. I I guess I would go with the – the sixth pick, I would go with Arizona. Um, they've got Carson Palmer, who's getting up there in age, just as Romo is, and he's he's had a you know he's had a down year. He has struggled that off that entire offense outside of David Johnson has has been a major disappointment for fantasy owners. I mean, it wouldn't shock me, I guess, if Palmer retired or or if they even cut him. I'm not sure what his contract looks like if that's if that's feasible. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if he was somehow gone from Arizona. Now, it would kind of surprise me if they were willing to go from, you know, a 30, I don't know, what, 37, whatever Palmer is. If Basically, if they were willing to go from one old quarterback to another, <laughs> that would surprise me. But they are a team that I think is, is built to win now and, and compete despite their record this season. So, you know, as, as the sixth pick, maybe. Yeah, you're reading my mind, Ryan. That's uh, a good segue here because my next question was going to be how concerned should we be about Romo hitting the age cliff? Because we've seen Carson Palmer start to slide down at this season. Romo's only one year younger. He clearly has a history of injury. This, Like you said, it's not not too far-fetched to believe that Romo could be just a, the next version of Carson Palmer. Um, how much concern do you guys have about that with Romo? I mean, Josh, I know you and I have talked at length for redraft purposes about the the injury concerns with him but where are you where do you stand on him i guess a little more long term for the, ne- the next say year to 3 years yeah on the short end of that i'm not too worried i do think having a full year off is probably a good thing for him and for the age cliffs approach i would say that if he ends up in a starting position next year i'm not worried i'd be pretty interested depending on the situation But very far beyond that, yeah, we're talking about 37, 38, and with the injury concerns you mentioned, I don't know that I would treat him as any sort of long-term option, but I I certainly will be keeping an eye on where he goes this year. And if we we look at that in a kind of a a more abstract way where, you know, in a two-QB league, in a super flex league, like you said, all starting quarterbacks probably need to be rostered most of the time. Ryan, how much does that factor into your approach at the quarterback position are you comfortable on your dynasty team starting you know the the more veteran the riskier older quarterbacks or do you tend to lean younger on your rosters um i guess is the cornerstone of my team be it really at any position i'm focusing on uh, targeting and, and acquiring those younger players that can maybe be on my roster for three four five years or even more um but once you know, once we're talking about depth, and even um, even though that seventh, eighth, ninth starter, I've kind of come around on that and, and tried to, um, you know, I, I think I used to be pretty narrow-minded, and I wanted my entire team as as young as I could get, and and just saw that going as as well as it possibly could, and it never really did. So, uh, I, but I think I've evolved and and am very willing to add those veterans at any position, including the quarterback spot who can, you know, who can help me compete and win a championship. So in a two quarterback league, I think my ideal pairing would be, you know, a luck and a guy like Palmer, even though he has had that down year, but, you know, basically one of the top five guys. And then if, if my second quarterback is Eli Manning or Ben Roethlisberger or, um, you know, even Palmer, then I'm, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, it seems like that's a good way to potentially mine some value from the quarterback position because 
the demand is higher. You know, there's more value to the position. And with that in mind, if you're willing to kind of take on more of the the risk or more of the kind of predictable, boring or or project quarterbacks as your QB2, you can use, you know, whatever value you maybe have with younger quarterbacks to try to build up your roster elsewhere. And I mean, that's a constant push and pull across all positions, you know, so, uh, you know, take for that what you will. But because quarterback is more predictable, a position in general, like it has a more stable production week to week, year to year. I think that it, to me, it's intuitive that, you know, the, the kind of boring middle of the road or aging guys would be guys that I would want to target because, because I feel like they're probably undervalued relative to the, to the younger guys like, uh, like Dak Prescott, you know, Tony Romo's replacement. Yeah, I think, I think that's absolutely the case. And um, the off season seems like, the prime time to buy those veterans uh, again across any position, but including quarterbacks, uh, you know, a lot of dynasty owners get caught up in rookie draft fever and, and building that, that pretty roster with all those names that other people are talking about on Twitter or whatever might be the case. And again, that's, that's kind of where I was two, three, four years ago is um, let me build this great roster and, and screenshot it and show everyone. And that was, you know, that was fine and that was fun, but it wasn't really bringing me any championships. So I have, again, tried to kind of expand and open that up to looking for the best value at the right time. Hmm. And kind of merging the two topics we just covered, I know that Scott Smith sent us a Twitter question asking, in Dynasty Leagues, what value does Carson Palmer have for 2017? And so if we kind of merge those two topics, do you see any value there, Ryan? Is he, do you expect that he will be a starting quarterback? And it, whether or not, do you think that there's any reason to have him on a roster or is he just becoming a roster clogger at this point? I think he still has, still has some value in, um, in two quarterback leagues, but I could see, I could see just pulling the plug in a one quarterback league, uh, especially, you know, the way he has played these past few weeks, he's had a couple of, of big games, a couple of games finishing in that quarterback one range, but that's, you know, that's not something you can count on. And in a one quarterback league, I don't want a 37 year old as, you know, as my backup, it, <laughs> right. there's just no, no upside there. Um, but in a, in a two quarterback or super flex league, I, I certainly think he still has value kind of going back to that Kaepernick range where there is, there is a bit of an unknown, which decreases his value. But I think if we're talking a late second rounder, I feel comfortable moving that for, for Palmer. And, you know, if I get one year uh, out of him as that quarterback too, then I feel okay about that. Let's dive into some more of these uh, listener and reader questions here. The next one comes from, uh, I hope I pronounce this right, Wonku Lee in Boston. And this isn't Dynasty. This is just a, a Keeper League question. But it is kind of interesting, and, and it can go to show some of the values of the players he's talking about. Uh, he says you get to keep three players in this league, and their value is decided based on the previous salary. Uh, he currently has Mariota, Winston, and Dak, and, he, and he's got this laid out in a couple different ways. He says, how would you rank these three quarterbacks without considering their salaries? Um, I think that at this point, based upon what we've seen in 2016, most people would have Mariota ranked highest, um, but... I mean, Dak is making a case, too, and, you know, Jameis was drafted basically as highly as Mariota was anyway. Um, Josh, what, what do you, where do you fall on these three guys? Yeah, uh, all are very interesting, and if you're not considering salary or cost or anything like that, it, it's tough for me to say. I, I was wrong on Prescott. I thought he was not going to be anywhere near this level, and so I've been wrong in having to readjust through the year. Uh, I would say that Probably Winston is the lowest for me of those three, but I'm I'm with you that Mariota is probably the top. But I don't I don't know that I can very clearly distinguish Mariota and Prescott. I think that they're very close, and Press and and Winston. I'm sorry, Winston is trailing the two of them, but they're all very very interesting. I would rate them very highly in terms of my dynasty quarterback rankings if I made such rankings. But I do think that Winston, for a number of reasons, is probably a step behind those two. I, I agree. I think they're all very close. I think they're all in the same tier, just outside that top tier of quarterbacks, which I, I still have Luck and Cam and Rogers and, and Wilson. Um, but I think these three guys, along with Derek Carr, are really closing that gap. 
Um, and, and I've seen several people who have ranked Mariota in that top tier. And, and I would certainly would not argue that. I do think Mariota is the top ranked guy of, of this trio. Um, I'm still kind of a Jameis Winston fan, so I'd probably have him uh, a little bit higher than Dak Prescott, but we're really nitpicking there. I love love all three of those guys. Yeah, and I'm probably the same. Like, like I said, I think Mariota probably has to be up at the top by default just based upon what he's done this year, but I will admit that I'm a little skeptical of that performance because his schedule has largely been very easy over these past few weeks. Um, but, you know, a lot of quarterbacks have easy schedules and they don't, you know, put up the types of numbers that Mariota, Mariota has. So um, I think we, we kind of have to, by default, give him that distinction. And I'm with you, Ryan. I probably still have Jameis a little bit higher than Dak mostly because of that um, that draft capital that was invested in him versus Dak Prescott. He he wonders if it's crazy to consider keeping all three. And I'll, I'll start this one off. Like, I don't think it is crazy, but I, I think I'd rather only keep two and focus my third keeper on a different position. Now, with that said, what you should really be trying to do is trading one of these guys, right? Yeah, no, I... I think that's right, because keeper versus dynasty is a big difference. I, I would be curious how many players he gets to keep. But, yeah, if you could get value for a third one in a keeper league, that'd be fantastic, just assuming you can't keep many more than that. And uh, we'll we'll wrap up here with just a quick rundown of the salaries. He's got Mariota at $16, Winston at 21 and Prescott at $1. Now, with that said, I think it's pretty easy to make Winston the guy you let go if you're only going to keep two. Prescott at $1, even if he is the guy I rank third, I think that that's uh, a pretty easy keeper choice. And Mariota, cheaper than Winston, I think that's easy to make too. So do you guys disagree with that at all? No, not at all. I think I think those salaries, taking those into account, make Prescott the, the easy choice. And um, Mar- like you said, Mariota and Winston are, are close enough, and uh, it's, it's easy to take the the lower value guy there or the lower price guy, I guess I should say, which is Mariota. Going back to kind of evaluating quarterbacks uh, that we have several questions where they're just lists of quarterbacks and what you would do moving forward. So I'm going to pull one of those from Matthew Mills on Twitter. He said, if you're heading into 2017 and you've got luck and Brady who have clearly been elite, one of them has more years left than the other, but two great guys, and then you have Lynch, Simeon, and Mike Glennon, who you mentioned earlier, Ryan. How comfortable would you feel, given that you clearly have question marks at QB3 and you have age concerns with Brady going forward? If it's a two-quarterback league where you have to start two of them, is that a situation where you'd be kind of concerned and quarterback would be a priority this offseason? Or is that enough where you think you'll get you'll get enough that you'll target other positions and it's really not a priority for you? I don't know if it's fair to say you'd be concerned because, you know, with Luck and Brady, you have one of the top four dynasty quarterbacks and you have one of the one of the top, if not the top uh, year in, year out producer in Brady. And and the only question there is, is with age and when does he you know, when does he finally hang it up? I, I remember when he turned, you know, when he crossed over like 30, 31, I remember trading Brady because he was getting old. And, um, that's, that's, a you know, that's another lesson that I've learned the hard way and, and put that one in the notebook. Yeah. That I don't, I don't really want to remember that one, but that, <laughs> that sticks in my mind and, and just that we have to, uh, you know, it's so important to value age differently or, or view age differently when it comes to, to quarterbacks. So, you know, he's, he's got two of the top, let's say eight or 10 at worst dynasty guys, uh, dynasty quarterbacks, Lynch and Simeon, you would think there's probably an 80% chance out of those two. He has the Broncos starter next season. And then Glennon is, is that upside end of bench guy. So uh, I, I, I wouldn't panic, but I would certainly be looking to, to upgrade there, especially at that quarterback three spot. That seems correct to me. I, I don't think you should feel uncomfortable with those guys, at least for 2017. But I, I think you're right, Ryan. If I, if that was my roster, I'd definitely be, at least maybe through the draft, uh, at the very least, looking to improve my quarterback stock, if, if not you know, going out and trading for a guy as well. Um, let's get to a question from Jeff Simmons. Uh, he asks, with Roethlisberger, Jameis Winston, Connor Cook, Jimmy Garoppolo, Mike Lennon, Paxton Lynch, and Bryce Petty, 
Does he have enough to sell the other quarterback he has, Blake Bortles? How many quarterbacks does he have on his <laughs> roster? I'd have to count that. That's incredible. Uh, I think it's eight. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I think the easy answer here is yes. I think you could definitely get rid of Bortles. And, and he says he could move Bortles for Romo in a mid-second. I think you could do that probably in a heartbeat. But honestly, you should probably be trying to move one of these quarterbacks for a different position, right? I've actually still got a little uh, a little love for Bortles. Um, maybe it's unwise on my part. He's obviously, you know, he's he's been terrible this year. But they spent a, a top three draft pick on him. I don't, you know, I I just find it hard to believe they would they would bench him, you know, be it this year or or even in 2017. There's there's going to be a coaching change there. Um, they're going to end up with a pretty high draft pick as well. Um, but they, you know, even though they've spent so many picks on, uh, on the defense, they still have some major needs there. They've got, it seems like they've got the wide receiver position set. They've got a couple of running backs. I think they're going to basically carry that offense forward into 2017 and, and hope that they can turn it around overall. Um, if you are panic selling on, on, uh, Bortles, I would still want more than, you know, more than Romo in a second in a super flex league. I, and, and like you said, I, I think it makes sense with that volume of quarterbacks to look at another position, flip Bortles for, um, for a wide receiver or, or even a, one of the top tight ends. I'm with you, Ryan. I don't know that I would do it for Ryan or for uh, Romo in a second, but yeah, if with so many quarterbacks, if you could find somewhere else to go, I'm, I'm definitely fine with it. I'm pretty down on portals myself, but yeah, you're, I think your point is valid. There, There is still value there, and I bet you can. I mean, he's, he's a fantasy producer despite a bad NFL career. And so, yeah, I think that you can get probably some good value if you're moving him. It, we've been kind of lightheartedly joking about how many quarterbacks are on, on Jeff's roster. We got another question from Pete Aquaviva. He has several questions, but one of them was, what is kind of the optimal number of quarterbacks that you should roster in a two quarterback dynasty league? And obviously that's a difficult question without knowing how many teams are in the league and kind of what your roster limits are. But do you have any sort of general principles you go to Ryan with how many quarterbacks you're rostering or when to when when the number of quarterbacks is just too many or if that's not even a thing for you? Yeah, I don't think that's a thing, um, especially in a two quarterback league. Give me as many as I can. Uh, if we're talking about a startup, I try to get four starters. Um, you know, so if if we're in a 12-team league and I have four of the starters, then that means somebody probably only has one, or or maybe has one plus an iffy, you know, Brock Osweiler type um, situation going on. So I just try to create that scarcity among other teams, and I do the same thing at wide receiver. In, in a typical one quarterback league, if we're doing a startup draft, my first six or seven picks would be the, from the wide receiver, wide receiver position. And uh, I don't know if I, I wouldn't go to that extreme with the quarterback spot, but um, I could easily see taking four quarterbacks out of my first eight draft picks in a startup dynasty draft. I love that call. And I do a lot of the same stuff, even in redraft. I, I think that two quarterback leagues, more so than super flex, you can really gain a lot of leverage over your uh, opponents by going heavy at that position, assuming your bench allows you to do that. Um, and in dynasty, I could see how you could take that to a whole nother level. Like you're talking about. Um, one of Pete's other questions is just a, a very simple one by low candidates question mark. <laughs> um, I, I, that's pretty abstract, but is there anybody right now that you believe Ryan is, is significantly undervalued um, and that you might be, willing to go out and, and put some feeler trades out for? Well, I think quarterbacks are so, you know, in general, so expensive in a two quarterback league that any player whose, whose value is low at the time, whether it's because of, you know, a bad week last week, or if it's an injury or whatever it might be, anybody whose value is low almost becomes a, a trade target for me. Uh, just, just to add to that, uh, you know, to that quarterback group. Now, with that said, I, I don't know if I would go after an Osweiler type, but I do think Blake Bortles is is a buy low candidate. Um, and then, you know, Carson Palmer we talked about earlier, Kaepernick. Those are guys who, guys whose value 
is is still low or is has become low in Palmer's case. And I'd be willing to gamble on those guys in that two quarterback format. How about Teddy Bridgewater? He's a guy I'm kind of interested in from a dynasty perspective because Sam Bradford's come in there and he's done a pretty okay job as a starter in Minnesota, but that was Bridgewater's team. We were a lot of people were expecting big things from him in 2016. That injury was pretty tragic to his, you know, stock and his career. But I'm wondering if maybe that presents a buying opportunity in Dynasty. What do you think? Yeah, unfortunately, I'm just kind of staying away from from Teddy. I um, I, I watched him. I live just outside Louisville, so I got to watch him all throughout college. Um, and you know, just just seems like a great kid, and and hated to see that for him. I don't I don't have any type of inside information, but. Everybody, every Louisville fan I talk to about this just seems to have the same opinion that he's done. Um, and I hate to say that, but that, you know, that kind of seems to be the case uh, or, or at least the opinion based on how bad that injury was. So, um, I mean, if he's on the waiver wire or if he's a, you know, if he's a worth a fourth round pick and I have a deep roster, then sure, I'll take a chance. But he's not a guy I'm really targeting. So can I jump in with another question of my own here? I'm going to butt the listeners out for another little while. And, <laughs> and uh, this is something else that I kind of struggle with when it comes to Dynasty is, is understanding how fluid my roster should be. And you talked about maybe throwing out a fourth rounder for Teddy or you know picking him up off the waiver wire maybe in some cases. Now, that, that all seems very feasible to me. And, and that seems fine, especially in a two-quarterback format, because... Based upon my redraft mentality, I think of, okay, I can hold Teddy Bridgewater until, you know, August and see what his stock is. And if it turns out that he's not going to be the starter and he's done, I'll I'll drop him and I'll get somebody else. But do I have the wrong outlook there? Should I be thinking more, uh, should I be thinking more about having a robust roster at all times where everybody in my, in my roster has potential, you know, big upside or, or is it okay to kind of play around with a few roster spots speculatively like that oh I, I certainly think it is and but it also it also depends on how big those rosters are and how how many bench spots you have but in general you know the value of that roster spot is at, at times during the off season and during the season is is very valuable so you know if you have a guy like Bridgewater and and you've been holding on there's going to be that hot waiver wire pickup in you know in week 10 and, and you've got a decision to make so and then in the off season, it seems like there's uh, times around free agency after the draft where suddenly there's many, many waiver wire uh, players that you want, you know, you want to add to your roster. So those are times when, when you face some tough decisions, but um, no, I don't, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with holding a guy like Bridgewater or, you know, any, any player that you may have high hopes for at some point. So uh, Pete, going back to Pete, his his third question, he asks something that I've wondered if I can kind of twist his question a little. His actual question is when during the offseason will picks have their peak value? And I think that's the the moment of your rookie draft is when they hit peak value and they're on the clock before a player is tied to the pick. But twisting that, do you, Ryan, I'm curious if you have kind of a personal discount rate or or how you you kind of treat uh, rookie picks going forward, knowing that they tend to increase in value as we know more about the rookie class. And if that's any different for you, just with the hype that the 2017 class has had for what seems like an eternity now. Yeah. Well, I would, I would agree with you, you know, in general that uh, those picks have the most value when they're on the clock. And, and that may be the case again this year, but as you said, this, this class of 2017 has been uh, so hyped and, and, uh, you know, I've done my fair share of that as well, but um, the expectations are just sky high. And, you know, you look at these mock drafts, be it uh, dynasty rookie mock drafts or or NFL mock drafts. And right now they're all best case scenario that every, every prospect is going to, um, first of all, every prospect is going to declare all these juniors and redshirt <laughs> sophomores are going to declare for the draft. And, you know, we're just living in that world where, we think they all can just move straight to the NFL. That's not going to happen. You know, there's been rumors that Christian McCaffrey, the Stanford running back, could go back to school for his senior year. Um, there was even uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, the USC wide receiver, had a quote 
after their game this weekend that he and uh, Adoree Jackson were considering going back to school to try to win a national championship. And, you know, who knows if, if those things will happen or not. But I think it's safe to say some of those guys will go back to school and the draft class will be and the draft picks, I should say, will be impacted because of that. Um, so things like that happen, you know, and, and then those some players will have a bad combine. They'll fall farther in the draft than than we expected. Um, so I think this is maybe the one year where um, it, it would be OK to sell those picks right now or to sell those picks early in the offseason if, um, you know, if you get a great offer. That's great insight. And yeah, the hype around this incoming rookie class is, is pretty crazy. Um, we have one more question here uh, from a gentleman named Sandeep, and I'm going to get to that and then one more of my own. Um, but his is, what is the value of Joe Flacco uh, in a Superflex Dynasty League? I mean, I'm not a huge Flacco fan. I haven't been. I don't. I don't know if any anybody is. Me but, neither. Um, uh, I haven't been impressed with him this year. Even in past years, it seems you know he kind of got bashed, um, and you know the elite comments were thrown out tongue in cheek and things like that. But he still put up pretty uh, reliable fantasy numbers. Uh, we're not seeing that this year. I think he's only had two uh, quarterback one games, two top twelve games on the season. Um, and even with, you know, even with some nice weapons uh, on that offense this year, he, he's just not getting it done. So, I mean, he still has value in that in that format because quarterbacks are so in demand. But I, I think a high second is probably the most I would give for for him, and that's only because of that safety that he has uh, in his starting job there. Yeah, I'm definitely not a Flacco fan. Um, so I want to wrap this up with again one more of my own selfish questions, and this is something that's a little more abstract and it's something that I've always wondered when it came to dynasty is how, how much attention should I be paying? Or, or do you think a, a good dynasty owner needs to pay to college football? You, you talked about these prospects uh, coming in for the 2017 draft. And I'll, I'll be honest, I don't really watch very much college football. I have very little understanding of, you know, who is good. And, and I kind of wait until the draft prep season before I start to figure that stuff out for fantasy purposes. And again, DLF does a great job of covering those angles. Um, and you guys are a great resource for me, but just in general, do you think I'd be better off if I spent more time on Saturdays watching the college game? I, I don't think you actually have to. Um, I, I think the, you know, the way the fantasy football industry has gone, the way dynasty leagues and dynasty football in general is growing. There's so much coverage, you know, from February to April or May, there's so much coverage, so much content, uh, not just on on DLF, but all across the internet on on so many football and fantasy football sites. I think it's pretty easy to get caught up. You know, um, you've got websites like um, Draft Breakdown where you can go and watch clips and film of basically any incoming uh, incoming rookie that you want anytime you want. So I don't think you have to. You know, I don't think you have to spend hours and hours watching college football on Saturdays to have um, to have a good appreciation and good understanding of what these players can do. I know uh, one of the guys I respect most uh, as as far as dynasty is Adam Harstad over at Football Guys, and um, he kind of has his own uh, opinions about the NCAA and and the way that system works. He doesn't agree with it and he doesn't want to support that. So I I know he doesn't watch college football at all, like not a single game. And if you ask him about a college player, he'll, you know, he's very honest about that, that he does his evaluation once they declare for the draft and and does those things that you know that that I mentioned earlier. Um and he's he's doing just fine. He's he's a very successful dynasty player and fantasy player. So I don't think you have to. No, I think you can. You know, if you want to put the work in in the spring, I think it's pretty easy to get caught up. That's that's good news for a couple of reasons. One, I think it you know lowers the the barrier of entry for people who are thinking about trying dynasty, whether it be two QB or not. Um, and two, if I told my wife I wanted to start watching football on Saturdays as well as Sundays, she'd probably murder me. <laughs> that was uh, that was part of our agreement when I got engaged was I'll pick one day and the rest will be just extra. Won't watch much. 
Well, we've kept you here for a long time, Ryan. And um, before we let you go, I just want to make sure that Josh doesn't have any last lingering questions. I've been a little selfish uh, with mine, to be fair. But um, Josh, anything else you want to touch on before we wrap this one up? No, I really am very grateful. I think very highly of Ryan. Love reading and listening to his content on both DLF and the podcast. And so very, very grateful that you took the time to come answer our questions and listener questions. It's, it's very kind of you. Yeah, thanks a lot, Ryan. We really appreciate your time. Is there anything you want to plug here before we wrap this uh, podcast up? Uh, no, I think I think you guys mentioned DLF. I continue to do work over there and, of course, have the Dynasty Blueprint, like you said, with Matt Williamson. And then also doing some Dynasty work for Roto World as well. Uh, but just really appreciate you guys having me on to talk uh, – Superflex and two quarterback leagues. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And um, if you are listening to this and you want to maybe ask some questions, whether it be about Dynasty or Redraft, uh, you can always hit us up uh, on Twitter at 2QBs uh, or by email, 2QBs at gmail.com. Um, in both cases, you spell it out, T-W-O-Q-B-S. Um, be sure to catch all of the work from Josh, myself, and a ton of other awesome writers at 2QBs.com where we focus on the two quarterback format um always and um if you could rate and review the podcast itunes stitcher wherever else we'd really appreciate that and i think we're done let's uh let's call it a night and uh we'll catch you next time thanks for listening adios